Welcome to the Reach Podcast with your guest speaker, Nick Buford. What's up, guys? Uh, so all of Reach leadership this week decided that they were all going to go to Barnabas and left. And Philip said, hey, Nick, you got this. <laughs> um, so uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Nick. Um, been at Evergreen for a better part of 12 <laughs> years now. Um, most of my teaching has been in the form of life group or Sunday school, where my goal is to talk the least amount as possible and get other people to talk. So this is this is a little bit different for me, but um, I think I think it's going to be great. So uh, we're going to just jump in uh, tonight. We're talking about uh, Joshua. Um, so as you guys open up to Joshua chapter three, I'll kind of set the stage for us. So here is um, so God chooses a man named Abraham. Um, him and his family through time uh, become the nation of Israel. Uh, they go down into Egypt where they are enslaved by the Egyptians. Then through Moses, um, God rescues the Israelites and brings them into um, the Mount Sinai, where he has a covenant with them uh, through the Ten Commandments and through the uh, laws. And then um, they spend 40 years through the wilderness. And now um, where we come in Joshua chapter 3 is they are camped just outside the Promised Land. Um, and uh, they are about to cross over the Jordan River and um, have the Battle of Jericho. But we're not going to talk about the Jericho story. We're going to talk about the story that comes right before it uh, when they're crossing the river into the Promised Land. And so Joshua, he was the servant of Moses. He was Moses' right-hand man. He was the one that uh, brought him uh, whatever he needed um, whenever he was in the tabernacle. Like he was wherever Moses was, there you would also find Joshua. And Joshua was also one of the 12 spies that went into the promised land and spied it out at, uh, before the uh, wandering in the wilderness for those 40 years. Uh, so we'll open up here. I'll start reading um, in chapter 3, starting in verse 1 to 7. So early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left the Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River, where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the uh, priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out of your position and follow them. Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the Ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Then Joshua told the people, Purify yourself. For tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. In the morning, Joshua said to the priests, Lift up the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people across the river. And so they started out and went ahead of the people. The Lord told Joshua, Today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites, and they will know that I am with you, just as I was with Moses. So in here, um, they have been following Moses and uh, the um, people of Israel have traveled around from place to place for 40 years in the wilderness. And in Deuteron or in Exodus 40, um, it talks about how they were how they knew to move from place to place. It says that whenever the pillar of cloud, which 
would um, hover over the, um, what's it called, the tabernacle. Uh, it would hover over the tabernacle and then it would lift up and it would move from place to place and the Israelites would know it's time to pack up and move whenever the cloud moved. And then wherever the cloud settled, it, uh, the people would set up their camp there. But God was doing something new here. He was telling them instead, we're going to do something, instead of following the cloud, we're going to do something new. I want you to follow the ark and the priest carrying it. Uh, it says, talks about that in verse 3. And so what is the ark? The ark is the, hev- the earthly throne room of God, the earthly throne of God, and the main things that were inside of it. So the ark was a chest. It was about yay big. It was made out of wood, and then it was completely overlaid with gold. And inside of it, the main thing that it was holding were the Ten Commandments, which uh, God gave to Moses up on the mountain, and it was the all the, the, the list of those Ten Commandments. And so up until this point, the people of Israel, they didn't have um, the Bible as we have today. Um, Moses was still alive. Moses was still writing it. But we're coming to the book of Joshua, which is the very first book after the Torah, which is the first five books. And so at this point, they now have the first five. They have the law. They have the commands. So what God is saying in here is it's now time to stop following the clouds. It's time to start following my words. It's time to start following my law. It's time to start following the things I have written down for you to know and to understand and to, um, to, to, to do it. Uh, but first, before following the law, before following um, and setting out, they had to uh, clean themselves. They had to purify themselves. Some of your Bibles might use the word uh, consecrate. And that's a really fancy word of saying, clean your clothes, clean your body. And uh, back in this time, uh, water was actually a very valuable resource. And there were, um, the Bible tells us there were 6,000 men and there were probably two to three million people in all. So imagine how much water it would take for two to three million people to all wash their bodies and their clothes. That's a lot of resources. That's a lot of time. But God says to the, the Israelites that, hey, this is important and I need you to do it. And I want you to do it before. And so they spend the time, they purify themselves. And then um, this bathing and changing of clothes symbolizes um, making a new beginning with the Lord. And then after this, um, after they are clean, after they are no longer stinky, because you don't know how long they haven't had a shower. It's kind of like uh, we were at Falls Creek two weeks ago and all the seventh grade boys were there. And it, <laughs> Devin, Devin knows it, it, was, it, got, it got a little uh, stinky. And so just imagine uh, two or three million people who does, don't have showers every day <laughs> and how that was like. Um, yeah. Um, and so the ark, um, after, after they all get clean, after they all change their clothes and whatnot, um, the priests carrying the ark, they, they lift it and they go out. And then as they're going out, God gives um, Joshua a promise. Um, there was already one promise that God gave to the people, and he gave that promise to Abraham back 400-something years ago where he said, your descendants will one day come and conquer this land. And this promise is about to be fulfilled with them going into it. And then the second promise that he gives is in verse 7 where it says that, uh, where God says to Joshua that I will make you into a strong leader and the people will know that I am with you. Now you might hear that and think, yeah, of course, Israel needed a strong leader. Israel needed someone that the people could follow. Israel needed someone that would lead the charge in the battle. 
But the most important part of that promise isn't that God was going to make him a strong leader. It was that part where it says, they will know that I am with you. Because there were a lot of great leaders in that time. There were the leaders of Egypt and the other nations and all the, the people, the Hittites, we'll read about them in a second, all the people in the promised land. Those were great leaders. Those were great kings. Those were powerful men. But the difference was is they didn't have God with them. And that was the big thing that made Joshua separate is that he was going to have God with him. And that was really important. So let's read here how Joshua responds, um, starting in verse uh, 8. Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. So Joshua told the Israelites, Come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, uh, Persevites, Girgashites, Amorites, Jebusites ahead of you, all the Ite people. Uh, look at the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, uh, will lead you across the Jordan River. Now choose 12 men from the tribe of Israel, one from each tribe. The priest will carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. Um, as soon as their feet touch the water, the f flow of the water will be caught, cut off upstream, and the river will stand up like a wall. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan, and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away to a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all of the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. So God says to Joshua, I'm going to make you a great leader, and the people are going to know that I am with you. And Joshua immediately turns around and says to all the people, God's going to make me a great leader. All of you guys should follow me. No, that's not what it says. He's, he immediately says, look at what your God is going to do. He, he doesn't, he humbles himself. He doesn't um, take pride in him, pride in the authority that God's going to give him. He doesn't take pride in the, all the great things that God's going to do in his life. Instead, he humbles himself and he says to the people, today you will know that the living God is among you and he will drive out these great leaders. Now, there were so many leaders in, in the time that said, that were charging into the battle, and they would say, follow me, I'm going to help you conquer. But Joshua just emphasizes here, God's going to help you conquer. God is the one leading the charge here. And then Joshua reminds the people that our God is the God of everywhere. Um, there were, um, back in that time, and then same in uh, parts of uh, Israel and other parts of Asia, um, the, the gods were very regional or they had um, specific duties. Either they were the god of the mountains, or the god of the valleys, or the god of the crops, or god of love and death, and so on. But our god has no limits. Our god is the god that is king over everything. Wherever you are, wherever you're going, he is the one that is um, king and, and ruler. And wherever you go, our god will be able to be there. So, and our God is also the one that makes a way. Um, so it says in verse 15 that when the priests um, walk up and they touch their feet to the water, 
it begins to stand up and just, it just it's just crazy like picturing and thinking like you got these I imagine four four or five guys or whatever, like maybe carrying like a casket type thing, and they're going up, and then they touch the, the first one touches their water, and he's like, "Oh, where's the water going? Like it's no longer there." And the water um, to their right uh, just stand, begins to stand up like a wall, and then the rest of the water continues to just flow down to the uh, Dead Sea. And it says that the water backed up to a town called Adam, which archaeologists say was about 30 miles upstream. And so water keeps flowing up this way. And uh, they, the um, priests uh, just are walking to the middle of the river. And then all the people, <laughs> they're standing there, they're amazed, they're confused at what's happening, but they're, they know that God is, um, is, is working and is in control. And I just imagine like the priests that are going and, and standing there, um, just how much in awe they were and then how much courage they gave the rest of the people of like, okay, if those guys can go out there and stand and then I, I can go and cross too because there's what, two to three million people that have to cross. And then the, the guys there, they're like, okay, God, I believe that you're going to keep this wall up it's getting bigger and bigger. There's three, two to three million people behind me that need to get across with all their animals, all their stuff, and all their things. Can y'all hurry up? I don't want to get hit by this water. <laughs> I guess I know what happened to the pharaohs back when they crossed the Red Sea, and I don't want that to happen to me. <laughs> so uh, the, the people uh, began to cross the river, um, and so let's read uh, that part of the story starting in verse 17. Uh, so meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose twelve men, one from each tri tribe. Tell them, Take twelve stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at a place where you camp tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had chosen, one from each tribe. He told them, Go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up a stone and carry it out on your shoulders, twelve stones in all, one for each tribe, uh, one for each of the twelve tribes of Israel. Uh, we will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, when your children ask, What do these stones mean? You can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. So the men did as Joshua had commanded. They took the 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, one for each tribe, just as the Lord told Joshua. They carried them to the place where they camped for the night and constructed a memorial there. Joshua also set up another pile of 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan River at the place where the Ark was standing. And they are there to this day. So God tells Joshua to choose 12 people, uh, one from each tribe. And I wonder if he had flashbacks to 40 years previously where, where uh, God had Moses choose 12 people to go and spy into the land. And he's like, okay, God, last time we chose 12 people, something really bad happens. Like you're going to have to come through here and you're going to have to make them trust and follow you because I'm not going back in that wilderness for another 40 years. Um, but these 12 men, 
they go in, they grab these large river rocks, and then they large enough and heavy enough where they have to lift them, put them on their shoulders, and then go out. And they bring them to the camp where they're staying that night, and they put all 12 of them up, and they build um, a monument out of them. Uh, and this monument was to be a physical testimony of what God had done in their life. It was a, something that could be seen from generation to generation of, okay, I know these rocks, they're not where they're supposed to be. They're not in a position that's natural. How do they get here? And is a way to get people to ask, what is this? What's happening? Tell me the story here. And then it allowed the people to tell the story of what God had done in their life. Um, and so I can just imagine, like, we, we use this phrase a lot of mountaintop experiences when we go to camp or go on mission trips or whatnot. I can imagine this probably being one of the best mountaintop experiences that these people had, where they literally saw God put up a wall of water and then they crossed. But not only did they cross, they, it says they crossed on dry ground. Like, not only did the water move away and they were able to get across of it, but the ground somehow went from not being, from being fully wet to not being muddy, but being fully dry, where they were able to cross with all of their things. And that's something that only our God can do. Only our God can, one, make a river part, but two, provide even the simplest needs of, you know, we're going to move away the torrent water, but we're also going to make it even easier so your carts don't get stuck in the mud, so that your animals don't get stuck, and so that your shoes don't get dirty. You're just going to walk across. And I just think that is one of the coolest things. Um, but one thing I want to ask you, um, rhetorically, not, not to going back to uh, Sunday school class, but um, do you guys remember your mountaintop experiences? Do you guys remember those times in your life where God has done something big and grand and something that really stuck out to you? And if not, like, why? why? Why do you not allow yourself to remember the great things God has done in your life? And not only that, it's a way for us to show our, our testimonies to others is uh, just, just being who we are and having... Um, um, having ways for other people to ask. One way that um, my wife and I do this, my wife Anna, she's um, at on the Barnabas trip, but one thing that we started doing is we started having paintings um, that we designed and made of different life events that God just entered our life, and we made a creative way of painting it, and then we have them up on our walls. And we've only been doing this for about a year, and we're really excited to have our kids one day come and ask us, hey, what are these paintings about? So that we can share stories of 20, 30 years ago or whatever of how God worked in our lives. And it, because it's not just, our stories aren't just for us. The stories God gives us are for others and to share and to show his glory and his honor and to bring, um, uh, to bring glory to his name. So this year, uh, we're talking about Year of the Servant. And one of the great, one great way to serve someone is to share with them your story and to listen to their story and to um, have each other and to, to know each other's testimonies and to encourage one another in that way. Uh, it says in Revelations 12, 11 that 
Um, they overcame the evil one by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimonies. How are we going to overcome him if we don't share our testimonies? And so that's, that's one of our jobs and one of the things God charges us to do is to share the things that he's done in our lives. Because one, they're for us to cherish, they're for us to have a pillar and remember, but two, to pass on. Like, I am so glad somebody decided to write down all the things that happened in Israel and pass it along to us. And, like, I don't want all of the stories and all the things that God does in my life to just fade away when I die. So, um, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll go on and read in uh, the, next, the last section, starting in verse uh, 10. Um, the priests who were carrying the ark stood in the middle of the river until all of the Lord's commandments that Moses had given Joshua were carried out. Meanwhile, the people hurried across the riverbed, and when everyone was safely on the other side, the priests crossed over with the ark of the Lord um, as the people watched. The armed warriors of the tribe of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh led the Israelites across the Jordan, just as Moses had directed. These armed men, about 40,000 strong, were ready for battle, and the Lord was with them as they crossed over the plains of Jericho. That day, the Lord made Joshua a great leader in the eyes of the Israelites, and for the rest of his life, they revered them as much as they had revered Moses. And then dropping down to 5.1, when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings who lived in the Mediterranean coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan River, so the people of Israel could cross, they lost hope and were paralyzed with fear because of them. So, the priests who were holding the Ark of the Covenant, they come over and they, they finally cross the rest of the river. Who knows how long they were staying there, but I bet they were ready to cross. But I bet they were ready to do something else also. In the next chapter, uh, we're not reading it, the story tonight at all, but they go, to the, um, they go to Jericho. And I bet you they were the men that said, I'm carrying the Ark around. I don't care how many times we're going around Jericho. I'm carrying that because I know what God did the entire time I stood in the river, and I know what God's going to do here. I don't care if it's be quiet. I don't care if, how many times we have to march around or how bored we have to be. Like, I'm excited to see what God's doing. And so, and there was a, there's another group that led. Um, in, verse, uh, in verse 12, it talks about three of the tribes that crossed over the river. And you might ask yourself, why is it pointing out three tribes that are crossing? Like, didn't everyone cross over? No, not exactly. Um, so there were actually three tribes of Israel that already had the, uh, the land on the west side of the river that um, God had given them as their promised land, um, that God had allowed them to settle in and to um, be where um, they were to live in the land that they inherited. Um, and so the, whenever they had that land, uh, Moses and God had them make a promise that even though you're getting your land now, you're still going to go into the promised land with the people and you're going to help them conquer their, their land and to receive their um, promised land. And the really cool thing about this in my, is that just as some of us believers have received our promised land, we have received our Savior, 
Like there are so many people that haven't yet. And God is charging these people, uh, these three tribes, you've received my promised land. Now I still want you to go and help others. So how, how, how I see that is God is saying that those that have already received him, like you're not done. You're not, your job isn't finished whenever you receive Christ. Your job isn't finished whenever you've received your promised land, but you're charged to go and help others conquer theirs and to bring um, about that. And not only that, but they were leading the charge. They were leading the people into the promised land. And then God fulfills his promises. One, by um, through, through the rest of Joshua and the people conquering the nation. But the second one in verse 14, where it says that the Lord made Joshua a great leader in all the eyes of the Israelites. And for the rest of his life, they revered him as much as Moses. But not only was Joshua made famous in this, God was made famous in it. In verse 1 of chapter 5, where it says, all the other kings were made fearful of, of what God had done, and they were in awe of him. And I bet you this is the story where uh, Rahab the, uh, in, jo- in Jericho looks at and sees, I'm going to help them, and I'm going to be on their side. Um, and so that, that's, that's the story of uh, how they crossed the river. And all the stories in the Old Testament, they point to the gospel. And they, they show and have a glimpse of what Jesus did all throughout it. And in this story, the people of God, they consecrate themselves and they set themselves apart and they clean their clothes and they clean their bodies. And to me, that sounds a lot of what we do today called baptism. And then they cross over the river into the promised land by a path that was created by God's ark. Well, do you know what was in the ark? Oh, I already said that. It's, it's the Ten Commandments. And the, another name for the ark is the Ark of the Testimony. And, um, it, which is, and then the, the Ten Commandments is God's word. So they crossed over to the promised land by a path that was created by God's ark, his word. And God delivered, and God does this in order to bring honor to a man um, named Joshua whose name means God is deliverance. And God provides this deliverance by leading his people out of Israel through the wilderness and into the promised land. And they do this behind the ark, which is God's word. And in John 1.1, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And this word that was made flesh is Jesus. And so as we close tonight, I want to challenge you guys to Um, find someone and share your story with them Um, and to ask them what theirs is and to share your testimonies and not closely guard them as if someone hears this, they're going to make fun of me or they're going to know what happened in my past. They're going to know anyways, or a lot of times they already do. But that's not the point. The point is to honor God through our stories. And... Lastly, if you guys, if any of you are thinking to yourself, I don't have one of those stories, I don't have any of those times, like, I encourage you to come and talk with me or, or uh, Justin or any of the other guys here of, of how to get those stories and how to accept Christ. And those, that, um, are that, and those of you that have accepted Christ, I encourage you to continue to follow his words, just like, it's, just like they 
uh, did something new where they were no longer following these clouds. They were following God's words. I, I encourage you, those that are believers, to get in this and to follow it each and every day. I'll pray for us. Hey guys, this is Philip Jackson, pastor of young adults at Evergreen Baptist Church. I want to invite you to come to Reach. We meet every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. at Evergreen Church in South Tulsa, just east of Mingo on 111th Street. The mission of Reach Tulsa is to cultivate a young adult community that's defined by real transformation and a sincere pursuit of a godly life through training in biblical disciplines, personal development, and intentionally transitioning into independence as mature members of the body of Christ. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like and subscribe to our content. We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Reach Young Adult Ministry is a part of Evergreen Baptist Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information and additional lessons, please visit our website, evergreenbc.org.